Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark. I am thankful that you are taking some time to study the Bible with me this season. Whether you're folding laundry, doing the dishes, fixing the garage, I don't really know. I don't really care. Whatever you guys are doing, uh, probably a lot more interesting to you than it would be to anybody else. Uh, you know, I'm kidding. But we've been talking this season about road signs looking at different signs each week, and today we're continuing our study with the wrong way sign, and today's episode is the wrong way equals punishment. You know, when there is a warning, there must be somebody that is going to carry out a punishment. I've often heard parents say, you know, I count to three, or I hear someone say, well, I just keep telling them, if you do that again, I'm going to get on to you. You're going to get in trouble. We do see mercy shown in the Bible. I don't want you to think that I don't believe in mercy. The Bible tells me in the book of Amos that God multiple times showed mercy and gave some punishments that were to be considered lesser punishments than what he ended up saying in Amos 4 and verse 11 and 12, where he basically says, everything I've tried hasn't worked, so prepare to meet your God. But you never see God saying in the Bible, now I'm going to count to three, and if you don't stop, you're going to get in trouble. What God does is God gives clear expectations and a clear idea of what punishment will be. In Deuteronomy 28, the Lord is bringing this execution of punishment. Seventeen times in the section that we've been discussing in Deuteronomy 28, the phrase, the Lord will, is found illustrating that while the nation itself that would be coming to take Israel would be fierce, it had its marching orders from God himself. The purpose of such a section is to point out that God wanted the Israelites to fully grasp that there would be no special treatment. Deuteronomy 28, 20 through 22, 24 through 25, verse 27, 35 through 36, 48 through 49, 59 through 61, 63 through 65, and 68. It didn't matter that they were his chosen people if they didn't live like it. And it kind of reminds me of the difference between God's way of rearing a family and man's way. I've often said the book of Genesis is a book about family problems. You find the first murder among family members. You find the first sin committed between a husband and wife, a husband who was able to deny himself of eating that fruit, a wife who was able to deny herself of the lusts that were presented to her, but they didn't. Going on throughout the rest of that book, you can think about the example of Jacob and Esau and the favoritism shown to Jacob. You can think about Joseph, who was shown pretty big favoritism and in all of those scenarios and all of those stories that we could talk about, none of them end pleasantly unless something changes. You might think, well, Joseph's ended up pretty, pretty okay, but in reality, he lost years of life with his family because of how much that special treatment turned his brothers against him. God's not that way. 
God doesn't show favoritism just because you're his people. God doesn't say, well, because you're my daughter, I'm going to show more favoritism to you than I'll show to the son. It is a big challenge. Little girls love their daddies and daddies love their little girls. But I'm to love both of my children equally. I'm to treat them equally, expect the same amount of behavior equally as they reach their stages of life where good behavior is expected. I can't show favoritism. I'm reminded of a story of a man who was out to sea drowning. And as he's drowning, he's thinking, (laughs) this is the end. This is the end. And all of a sudden, someone plunges into the water and they save him. And as this man who'd been saved gets out of the sea, gets out of the water, unfortunately, he turned his life toward crime toward living in a way that he shouldn't have been living, to be doing the types of things that he shouldn't have been doing. And he found himself with a court date. He goes into the courtroom, and who should he see sitting in the judge's seat but that man, the man that saved him. And he's thinking, well, he saved my life. I'm going to get an easier sentence. I'm, I'm going to have a much easier time. And as the proceedings are carried out, the judge ends up leveling the harshest amount of punishment that could be met for such crimes being committed. And the man is reported in the story as having to say, Don't you know who I am? Don't you remember me? And according to the way that the story goes, the judge famously says, Then I was your savior, but today I am your judge. The exact same mentality is applied by the Lord in his warning to the people about their impending captivity and the punishments that follow, he is both a redeemer and just. So what can we be prepared to see then? Well, you and I can be prepared to see a judgment seat. This was true for the Israelites. They knew they'd face judgment, and they still didn't make any changes. I'm going to pull up a verse here, so if you hear the clicking of keys... That's why. But I want us to consider Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. We often talk about verse 13, fear God, keep his commandments, this is man's all. But I want you to notice this. In verse 12 it says, And further, my son, be admonished by these, by the statements that we've been discussing, by the encouragement by the doctrine of making many books there is no end and much study is wearisome to the flesh 
So here the conclusion of the whole matter. If I were to sum it up for you into one sentence, here it is, son. Fear God. Keep his commands. This is the whole of man. But why? We spend so much time in in youth sermons and in youth classes and, and all of the type of mentality of living for God. We spend so much time in talking about fearing God, keeping his commandments, but we sometimes just forget verse 14's there. We're told God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. That is what awaits mankind. Just like it awaited the Israelite people, just like it would await Joseph's brothers, Cain, Adam and Eve, Jacob and his mother who tricked Esau and his father and her husband, and so many other examples that could come to mind. Ultimately, this is what awaits for us. So are we ready for that seat? Does mankind in and out of the church find himself ready to face the God who wants only those that live for him? Or will we be punished like those Israelites? Deuteronomy 28 implores God's people to follow him or suffer immense and intense punishment. I know you've heard the stories of people who they go out to do something fun and they think nothing will happen from it. They're going to get away with it and it'll be okay. And I'm reminded of a man who on an airplane, sat next to a pretty woman. So he slid his wedding ring off and put it into his pocket. And as they began to talk and as they began to flirt, the decision was made by both of them that they would not spend the night alone. And so after a night together, the man woke up in his hotel room and she was gone. And I wonder if he thought when he woke up, I got away with it. Nobody knows. And he walks into the hotel restroom. And there he sees written in lipstick, Welcome to the world of AIDS. What do you think ran through his mind then? What do you think was the first thought that he had at that point? Here was a man who was married. And now he has to tell his wife that he's sick. And he's sick because of a decision that he made selfishly. Going the wrong way doesn't just mean disobedience. It doesn't just mean that you'll have some problems. It certainly means that you will also be punished. Now next week, we intend, if the Lord wills, for us to cover some text takeaways from Deuteronomy 28. 
And then we'll close out our season with the final three weeks of this season on May 10th, 17th, and the 24th by discussing our last road sign, the yield sign. Until then, I want to remind you, our world needs gospel preachers. Our world needs more Christians. Our world needs more faithful churches and faithful elderships and deacons. We need you to help facilitate that. And that is done in part by living for God. And so, until next week, let's please God now so our eternity can be far better. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.